Hester and her cabal of co-hosts are not doctors, lawyers, or licensed professionals of any kind, and their advice should not be used as a substitute for consulting any of those. The advice offered on We Should Split Up is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the show, ghoulies! Hester, how lovely for you to visit my lair! Uh, I mean shop. I definitely meant shop. I love how you've kept the place musty and dark. It really brings out the glow in your taxidermied creature's eyes. Well, you know, customers love it when they can't tell exactly what sort of animal they're about to get. The mystery keeps bringing them back. And the curses. There's definitely some curses here, too. But I I keep telling everyone I have a very strict no-returns policy. Well, Velveteen, I'm about to embark on a journey, and I hope I'll make a return, but I have a very important favor to ask of you. This request is already making me nervous, and I'm not easily nervous. This shop is full of taxidermied creatures. That's why I came here. I wanted to reassure you there is nothing to worry about. Next week, I'm leaving to find someone who might have the answers about this prophecy about the beast from the sea that carries off every advice columnist from Salem Cove on her 13th episode. But I might be gone for a little bit. Mm. I just want you to know I'll be safe and don't come looking for me. Oh, and I wanted to drop off my keys. Do you mind looking after the Vincents while I'm gone? Your horde of black cats and bats? Yes, I need someone to look in on them every once in a while until I get back. And I will be back. Oh, okay, but where are you going? That's just it, my dear. I can't risk anyone knowing because I can't have anyone coming after me. I have to do this alone. But what if you get stuck in a hole? What if you meet a Sasquatch and you don't have any cookies to share? What if you lose your talisman and the ghosts of your ancestors' enemies start to tickle you? I'll just have to figure that out on my own. But Hester, we're your friends. Let us help you. Boppy is great with travel. He's He's got lots of tips, and he's practically stuffed with travel tips. Last I checked, he was stuffed with sawdust and a few magical herbs. And love. And love. And the ring finger of an adulterer. The way you continue to refine your craft is really inspiring to me. (laughs) I can do more than imbue the spirit of interdimensional beings into my taxidermied animals. I can also help you and support you as a friend. Please, Hester, you, you don't have to do so much of this alone. Here's the keys and some money for cat food. The bats let themselves out to feed every night. I've left the attic window open. Hester. Trust me, I have a plan. Well, it's it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I care about you. Let me do something. Do you want some help with this week's episode? You know what? That would be lovely. Then it sounds like it's time for this week's episode of We Should Split Up. Frightful advice for spooky people. for us this week. Want to give this letter a read for me? Why, certainly. Dear Hester Doyle, long-time listener, first-time writer, for the past year or so, I have experienced an intense attraction to a gentleman who plays in the same band that I do. He sits two rows behind me and plays brass, whereas I play a woodwind. 
I've been pining for him from afar, and while we are nodding acquaintances, I have yet to break the ice with him. I get all tongue-tied whenever I'm around him. Should I pursue this gentleman? Many of my friends advise against it, as a breakup would present an awkward situation. If so, do you have any suggestions as to how I may approach him? Until the beast from the deep returns, I beg to remain sincerely yours, suffering in silence. Well, fuck your friends. No, no, wait. Fuck your crush. <laughs> Ignore your friends. <laughs> Only consensually. But, yeah, the your friends are not really being good friends right now. Um, and I'm sure that their intentions are, are good. Yeah, I think people rarely cause havoc in other people's lives on purpose. Uh, but I think it sounds like they're very motivated by maintaining the status quo. And it is completely out of bounds for them to tell you how to conduct your personal relationships in such a way as to make it most convenient for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe they are couching it in their mind from the point of view that, oh, we want to all enjoy being in this band together. So it's really for your sake as well as ours that we avoid these relationships because, you know, we don't want you to be unhappy either. But the the fact of the matter is change is going to happen to your life, whether you make a move on this person or not. Mm-hmm. And change is hard for some people. Yeah, it really is. And so, like, even if you humor your friends right now by, you know, hypothetically preventing you all from experiencing the pain of a potential, not even a real, but a potential breakup, something else is going to come along and shake up the crew. And in the meantime, uh, another opportunity to make yourself happy is going to sail by. Mm -hmm. So I'd say go for it. Well, Hester, you know that I normally agree with you, but... You know, these people are the writer's friends for a reason, and I I think it's normally safe to assume that your friends at least try to have your best interests at heart. And I think that maybe by worrying about the group dynamics in this case, the friends are also expressing that they love you and they want you to be safe. And I'm sure that some of them are worried that if your amorous adventure becomes a tragedy instead, then you may feel so uncomfortable that you'll no longer enjoy the experience of being in the band which would, of course, be terrible for both your friends and for you. So as, as Hester says, the fear of change is, is no reason to not pursue something that has the potential to make you very, very happy. So, you know, in my opinion, you might also want to consider ways that you can assuage your friends' fears. Your, your friends will take their cues on how to feel about your budding relationship from you. So general positivity and optimism should influence their own feelings about the subject. So if you talk about how much you enjoy this person or how he makes you feel important or beautiful or enigmatic or ravishing or pultritudinous, they'll spend less time worrying and more time enraptured by the potential of your new relationship. Oh, that's great advice. And I like that because it isn't suffering in silence's responsibility to manage their friend's feelings. But at the same time, you are right that um, if they're worried about this damaging your enjoyment of the band, then it could be because maybe in the past you have gotten into a funk over rejection or the end of something and and they want to protect you. And, And I think projecting this optimism to reassure them could also help you grow and become optimistic and maybe find your resilience in the face of potential ups and downs as well. Right. Yeah. But in in the case 
you know, as it may be that things don't go as well as you hope with your new beau, uh, I don't want you to feel like you have to put on airs and pretend like things are better than they actually are. Um, I think in this case, it's it's important to identify a friend or a, a family member or an enchanted familiar to discuss <laughs> these with, as someone who lies outside of your band circle can provide an unbiased perspective on the situation. I know you do depend a lot on Boppy for... Um his unbiased insight mm-hmm. into emotional and occult matters. He's a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of how to actually make the approach, I really feel it's best to approach a crush as soon as possible, as long as you're both available and there isn't like some big life thing keeping you apart. And I would not count simply being in a band together and being worried about that being enough of a, an impediment. And the reason for that is because, well, crushing is fun, and and you've been nurturing this for a year already. Uh, The issue is uh, sometimes when you nurture a crush for a long time, you start to build that person up in your head, and you start to build imaginary relationships that are just impossible to attain in real life, because even your crush is a flawed and real human being. And as uh, Velveteen said, maybe your friends are worried because maybe they do see you building this up in your mind and they're afraid that if you go for it, you're going to be let down because you've, you know, created some, a a castle in the sky as it were. And that could also be at the root of of some of your friends trying to protect you. And uh, it's my personal opinion that the best way to do, to, to deal with that is to run at it, to just go for it. And if you're let down, at least you're let down before you've invested another year of your life imagining this is the most perfect relationship in your life. I mean, it's really just as simple as going up to this friend and saying, hey, you want to grab a drink, go see this chamber ensemble, Mm. Uh, take a stroll by the swamp land, (laughs) perhaps help me rearrange my book collection. Mm. Hmm. Oh, it's is both as simple and as enormously terrifying as walking up to the person you admire and saying, you want to hang out? It's really as simple as that. I think timing is more important than how you do it. I think the sooner you do it, the, the better. Don't stew on this any longer than you have to. Embrace an aura of optimism in your endeavor and with your friends. Stop building castles in the sky and start building castles on the ground. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck suffering in silence. Oh, go get them and get some. next one, Velveteen. Okay. Dear Hester, I'm studying journalism in order to get into a career in the media industry. The three things tutors have said we need are looks, skills, and luck. I'd say that I'm quite skilled in the field. So far, I have a year of study left, and luck is beyond my control. But my face is ugly as fuck. This could ruin my chances of getting into the industry, especially since women have higher expectations in so many areas than men. So what are the basics of becoming an attractive woman? I don't mean the cheesy stuff like smile more and fix your posture. I mean, how do I work with what I have if it's not conventionally beautiful? Signed, Scream and Scribbles. Well, first of all, your professor is a dick. 
Yeah. yeah, it's true that women are held to an unfair double standard and it's hard to travel through life when you look different. And we can't ignore the fact that looks do matter to an extent, especially if you are going into a visually oriented industry. Um, but look, people who look different know they look different already. They don't usually need reminders. And also people who have already traveled through life as female identified person or any of these other things that present challenges already know about this stuff. And what concerns me here is it sounds like you've got a lot of people telling you that something isn't for you and they're not offering you a way forward. And that is the opposite of what a tutor or a teacher or a career coach should be doing. And it's not that their role is to tell you you can do anything because the fact of the matter is no. There are lots of things that many of us can do for many reasons, but if you have the talent and the drive and you're doing well in your classes and you clearly seem very competent and frank and reasonable in your approach to this, you don't seem deluded, you should have access to educators who are there to give you a way forward. Absolutely. Yeah, not by telling you anything is possible through the power of positive thinking, but by actually giving you concrete techniques to deal with what you have to work with instead of just telling you, sorry, kiddo, it's out for you. Like, I agree. I, they sound monstrous, yeah, to I'm be fair. so mad, actually. <laughs> I'm wondering, I mean, you, you say, uh, screaming scribbles, that these are tutors. And, and I wonder, are these tutors, are they other students that we've hired to, to help tutor you? Or are they being provided by the school? Um, and if they're provided by the school, then the school maybe needs to know that that they are providing students with uh, people who are problem-oriented instead of solution-oriented. You know, your, your tutor should be... Uh, other way around. What? <laughs> <laughs> See, look, this is hard for everyone. <laughs> and you can't even see what we're going through right now. There are tentacles all over the shop. I haven't even run a comb through my hair today. This stuff is hard. <laughs> but if the world of both podcasts and advice columns have taught us anything, it's that you actually don't have to be qualified at all no. to sit in front of a microphone. <laughs> I'm horribly unqualified. <laughs> I okay. It's anyway, okay. Yeah, no. You were aside. you were you are so right, Velveteen. The school <laughs> uh, needs people who are solution oriented, not problem oriented. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, first first things first, you know, if they're providing you with shitty service, then the, the school needs to know that they have bad people advising their students and that they're they're giving bad advice that crushes students' dreams rather than helping them find a way to achieve their dreams. Yeah, and this could be a diversity issue for them as well, because I know from some follow-up information that you are dealing with some actual you, physical challenges. And you, if we're being frank here, this is more than just a buck up, kiddo, get more confidence. This is how you travel through the world when you're different. And if they can't help you, then think of all of the other people dealing with other challenges, visible and invisible. How are these tutors serving them? Is your school really supporting people who are going to make the media world more diverse and more open to all the talent that's out there? Because it sounds like you have a lot to offer. And you know what? It's bullshit 
if you feel stymied in that because nobody on your team is willing to solve this problem with you. So while we are not necessarily journalism experts, um, we can um, give you advice on how to find some. And I would start by seeing if there are any other mentors out there that you can seek out either at your school or in your industry um, who also deal with specific challenges, whether they look different from all the other talking heads on TV, um, whether it's through a, a physical difference or perhaps they represent a minority or um, other female journalists, other people who have had to overcome the inherent biases of the industry and see if you can um, find one who's willing to be a mentor to, to you. See if there are any professional or student organizations available to help you learn about your opportunities and how to deal with these things. Basically, my biggest advice here is you don't have to rely on these jackasses. <laughs> your first step is to go find someone who's willing to actually work with you and not just tell you, nope, sorry. And then I say this advice for the last because I think it's really the least important here, because at the end of the day, this really isn't a question about appearance. I think the root of this question is finding supportive career guidance and tutelage rather than people who are frankly failing as educators. But as far as your appearance itself, I would actually make the time and money investment in a professional stylist. And this does not have to be an ongoing thing. There are people who are willing to do a one-time appointment, meet with you, and go over everything from grooming and makeup through outfits and comportment. You can find people who can do the sort of fashion-oriented aspects of that at a lot of makeup stores or department stores, usually. Or I would maybe go online and search for life coach or career coaching services, because a lot of career coaches can also sometimes help with basically professional comportment. And, and basically, even if it's just a one-time appointment, find somebody whose job it is to, to take you, the raw material of awesome and help you learn to work with what you've got, not to cover it over or to try and conform to exactly what everybody else looks like, but to highlight your best features, to develop a comportment that really gives off an, era, an aura of confidence and professionalism, to dress professionally, and to groom yourself in a way that looks very professional and put together. And I think that could be a big confidence booster for you, and I think, again, this is less about, like, my face is broken, how do I fix it? And more about how, like, look, we all need to, every, nobody's born knowing how to look put together, no matter how they look. I still When they know. wake up, and yeah. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm wearing actually three different socks right now. <laughs> three? Yeah. Where's the third? I got confused. Oh. <laughs> And I, I think that my shirt is actually just cat hair now. Yeah. Yeah. It looks that way. Mm. But. It's soft. You know, here's the thing. You fake it until you make it. And even though your shirt is made out of cat hair and you're wearing three socks and I don't know where the third one is, you are happy and positive and, you know, you, you give excellent advice, Hester. Oh, so. thank you, Velveteen. It doesn't matter. There you go. I mean, look, if you take anything away from this segment, just let it be that if we can be part of the media broadcast world, you can too. <laughs> 
get out there and get them. Don't listen to the haters. Find somebody who knows where you're coming from. Find a mentor who is prepared to work with what you got instead of just shooting you down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe talk to your school about some of these jerks and uh, stick with it. You sound really, really motivated, really dedicated, and really smart. And I bet you're going to do some real cool stuff. Esther, it's it's positively dead in here today, unfortunately, so why don't we do just one more letter? Sounds good. Dear Hester, I suspect one of my friends has a crush on my girlfriend and it makes me and my girlfriend kind of uncomfortable. What should we do? Last year I was in a group of friends and we all hung out a lot. I had a crush on one of those friends. Later on, we started dating and when we announced this to the rest of our friends, they were all really supportive about it, except one. Turns out he also had a big crush on her from the moment he met her. Nine months later, we all still hang out pretty often, but my girlfriend frequently notices that that one friend staring at us and mostly at her. We haven't called him out on it yet. What do you think we should do about this? Or should we do anything at all? Signed, don't glare so close to me. Esther, have we gone through an interdimensional portal or something? Because... Uh, This sounds very similar to a letter that we discussed last time, remember? In episode three? Yes, yeah, where the the gentleman's uh, wife was receiving dick pics, and he wanted advice about how to approach the gentleman who was sending them. And this this sounds so similar, because in this case, a gentleman's uh, girlfriend is being approached by somebody, uh, and he wants to know what to do about it. And my question is, why does he have to do anything about it? You are so right. This is actually a pretty similar answer to the question. It's a pretty similar answer to the one we gave to the question in episode three. I'm leaving this in here because today's <laughs> theme is that we're all imperfect we, and trying our hardest. We make mistakes. <laughs> and sometimes mistakes turn into Carrot marvel- cakes. No. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, lovable creatures who end up being your best friends. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Your love with Poppy is so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> but back to loves that are perhaps less beautiful. I think that the that our our response is going to be very similar to the that we gave to the husband of the dick pic recipient which is your first step here is not to do something it's to listen listen to your girlfriend ask her how this attention makes her feel and then after you have given her space to express her feelings and not in a leading way not like honey this is really uncomfortable what do you think but in a how are you? Then ask her what she needs in order to feel safe and comfortable in your group again. And again, this is not what do you want me to do about it? Because if you ask it in that way, it sort of kind of backs her into this corner where she's got to give you an action point or you won't you know, leave her alone and be like, do you want me to do something or how, not what, but how can I make you feel safe in this situation? Uh, Because there are two kinds of discomfort that are potentially happening right now. There's just the social discomfort of knowing that someone near you is unhappy and unrequited in their love. And 
that sucks because you don't want your friends to be unhappy. You don't want to feel like you snatched someone's happiness away, but this is going to be a great learning experience because at the end of the day, you're not responsible for someone else's feelings in this instance, and nobody owes him... Yeah, presumably he's here. an adult and he yeah. can sort through his own emotions mm-hmm. and, again, either be an adult about it or be a child about it. Yeah. I also think that sometimes in friend groups, there can be this really weird dynamic that goes on if there are sort of competing crushes going on where it's sort of like you skipped in line or something or like somebody else didn't get their fair shot or there are all sorts of weird jealousy dynamics that sometimes emerge when multiple people have a crush on one person and they wind up with one other person. And I think it's important to keep in mind that if you weren't on the scene, that doesn't necessarily mean your girlfriend was going to wind up with this other person anyway. This isn't about the two men competing for her. This is about her and who she wants to be with. And she has made her choice. And so this other guy needs to let it go. You don't need to dance around it or humor his feelings. He needs to find a way to cope with them, even if that means getting some space. And uh, if this does cross over from the social discomfort into him being creepy or weird and the staring is what got me. uh, Yeah. Yeah, because I guarantee you, if you're noticing it. It is probably really bad because, frankly, uh, in a lot of these situations, women or or people who identify as women or present as women uh, are on the receiving end of a lot of unacknowledged, unspoken attention and sometimes aggression that I think flies over the heads of a lot of people who travel the world as males and that it is almost invisible to a lot of people who travel through the world as males because... Many times they, they go through much of their life not experiencing it. So I, if it's bad enough that you've noticed, it's it's probably pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's why it's so important to talk to your girlfriend, listen to how she feels, find out what makes her mm-hmm. feel better. It, it's possible she wants some distance from this person, but she's been reluctant to speak up because she doesn't want to make waves. Or again, through that gross unspoken dynamic in friend groups that everybody owes it to this person to make him feel better because the poor baby lost out on the person he wanted to ask out but guess what nobody owed him that and while you can be compassionate toward him that rejection hurts nobody gets to make other people suffer because they didn't get what they want that's not okay you can have compassion for this friend who, for his rejection and his unhappiness, but that does not give him permission to punish your girlfriend or the rest of your group for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think as long as you and your girlfriend have uh, a plan that you've both agreed on and it's derived from the way that she feels and her experience, uh, and you're supporting her in that, I, I think wh- whatever that plan is will will be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we've. Uh, We've solved a couple of problems here and there this week, Velveteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's just one more thing I need from you before we wrap this one up. Well, what is it? I, I do want to help you, friend. You can't tell anyone you know that I've left. If they ask, just say you're checking my cats for a few days and I'll be back soon. You You will be back soon, won't you? I hope. Thanks for listening to We Should Split Up. Frightful advice for. Are you frightfully in need of advice? Send your questions to frightadvice at gmail.com.
please rate, review, and subscribe. We Should Split Up is available wherever podcasts lurk. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fright Advice or visit FrightAdvice.com. If you're experiencing a mental health emergency, there are people who care and want to help. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Letters 2 and 3 used with permission from their original Reddit posters. In this week's episode, Hester Doyle appears as herself, Velveteen O'Hara appears as herself, and Bobby appears when you don't think anyone is watching you. Thanks to the audiophiles of freesound.org for our sound effects. Our lovely logo was created by Maya Renfro, and our theme music is Die in a Fire by Menage Garage, used with permission. Play nice, schoolies! See, look, letter writer, we are totally prepared for a career in in broadcast right here. The work of true professionals. So good. So talented. We're porpoise freshionals. So beautiful. We're, we're like majestic seals beached on the sands of radio production. Ah! Is that the sound that they make? Yes. <laughs>